Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Olivia's Obscura. It is me, your host, Olivia, welcoming you back for another, you know, glimpse into my mind palace, for better or for worse. And I'm recording this actually in real time. So I'm recording this on Monday, January 22nd. You will be listening. If you're listening on the day it comes out, you will be hearing this on January 22nd. Um, And I have, I'm like feeling cozy, okay? I'm feeling cozy. I've got a little London fog. It's so rainy here today. Like, um, like very much so. Like we have a flash flood warning, which is not, you know, excellent. But I do feel, no, listen, not to be like, the boy who cried wolfing the emergency alerts but like every time it rains in San Diego I feel we get an emergency flood warning and I'm like okay like I like you're kind of being dramatic but like I get it it's better to be safe than sorry you know what I mean but it wasn't like I was quaking in my boots when I saw that emergency flood warning come through this morning I was like whatever like first of all not I do live on a second story like the second floor of an apartment So I do feel like I, and also even the bottom floors of our apartment are built on above ground level. So no one, you know, I kind of feel like where I'm at is like a really safe place to be in the rain. And I made myself a London fog. That's what I was, (laughs) that's what I mentioned. Because I feel like that is just such a perfect rainy day drink. You know, a little steamed oat milk, a little vanilla, a little Earl Grey, like literally, can you imagine anything better? I was thinking, because I moved, I hate the rain. You know what I mean? Like, I literally hate the rain so much. It makes me feel like a shell of a person. My energy is just zapped on days that it's gloomy and rainy. But, like, when I lived in Portland, people would freak out when it snowed, right? Like, Portlanders, we love to freak the fuck out when it snows like a quarter of an inch. School's closed. Work is closed. The roads are closed. Stay home for a week. And that is kind of like, I kind of appreciate the energy that Southern California brings to a rainy day because it is kind of like a Portland snow day energy. You know, like just in the same way that Portland doesn't have the infrastructure to deal with snow of really any amount, Southern California doesn't really have the infrastructure to deal with rain of any amount. So like when it's raining a lot like it is today, like businesses are closed, people don't go to work, like it is truly snow day vibes. And that is like novel. You know what I mean? Like I hated the rain in Portland because it rained literally every single day for months on end. When it rains here, it is like a novel, fun thing. You know, like I still don't like it. I still don't prefer it. I would way rather it be 69 and sunny outside today because I want to go for a walk and I don't want to walk in the rain because I want to wake up in the morning and have it feel like it's daytime and not 5 p.m. because it's so dark outside because of the clouds so like I'm not really into that but um but I do like really appreciate the energy that San Diego brings to a a rainy day it is it's like fun it's like a snow day anyway I did just spend a few minutes right at the top of this episode talking about the weather so thank you for bearing with me with that um today we are going to be talking about the third lifetime movie in my lifetime be good to your daughters series I guess I did. It's the third of three parts. So we did um, The Wrong Daughter and Daddy's Perfect Little Girl last week. We're doing like a Lifetime movie podcast bonanza. Um, So if you haven't caught up, I released three. No, I released two episodes last week and then I'm releasing one today. And then after that, we'll be back on our regular Monday schedule. 
Um, probably with some more loosey-goosey type episodes because the ones where I talk about a movie the whole time, like, I don't really get to chat and shoot the shit. And we have some shit that needs to be shot after the past couple weeks. So next week, we're back to kind of the standard Obscura Pod layout. But for today, we are going to be discussing my, I think my all-time favorite Lifetime movie that I have ever seen from 2021 called Daddy's Perfect Little Girl. Um, before we get into it, I am gonna, I am, I, I am gonna shoot this shit a little bit because I know, first of all, I want to say that the audio on the episode, the most recent episode, the part two, um, Deadly Daughter Switch, I know that the audio is really quiet and that's because I was recording it we were, there was two, first of all me and me and Montana were both recording on one mic which you'll know I I put like a little disclaimer in the beginning of the first episode but needless to say I'm like a bit disappointed with the way the audio turned out on that it is you know as good as it's going to get I fear um that was like a trial run you know we'd never I'd never done a podcast with another person before in the same room um so it was definitely like a spur of the moment like on a whim decision to do that it definitely didn't translate in terms of like audio quality um but if you powered through that video you probably had to have your volume like all the way up and like your headphones on noise canceling to be able to hear everything but if you powered through that episode thank you so much I did think it was funny I had so much fun recording it and listening back I felt like such a dork because I was like laughing out loud listening to us talk which is like so on brand for me like of course I think that me and my friends are the funniest people in the whole world but I do want to th like thank you if you listen to that episode if not I totally get it I hope that this episode is nicer and kinder to your ears easier to listen to I'm striving to give you the best podcast listening experience over here okay and I will be I will be continuing that that fight as we move forward. <laughs> Before I get into the meat of today's episode, I wanted to start off by thanking our five-star reviewers of the week. Um, if you would like to be a certified obscure head who gets their review read online or on air, I mean, then go ahead, go into Apple Podcasts and leave a review. As far, okay, I always listen to reviews to I start over okay Jesus Christ that was such a word salad I always listen to my podcasts on Apple podcasts I always have and I always will um I have been getting more acquainted with Spotify podcasts just because I've been like I released this podcast on Spotify so I do go on and like check every once in a while and it allows you to leave like a star review but it doesn't let you write a review on Spotify which does like make me mad because I want I want the the reviews you know what I mean like I like I love it if you just tap the five stars like trust me that is like literally fueling my soul but like I'm after like the comments you know like I'm really after the the written reviews and to my knowledge you can only do that on Apple so even if you if you have an Apple device and you're listening on Spotify just go into your Apple podcasts app and find Olivia's Obscura and leave me a review on there and I will, I will be so infinitely thankful for you. I will owe you my life. This week, I would like to thank Mr. Fox 97. Definitely Ty. Doesn't me doesn't make it matter any less, okay? Thank you, Ty. I really appreciate your five-star review. And I would also like to thank perhaps my favorite reviewer so far, someone with the name Obscura Head, which leads me to believe that you probably created this just 
to review this podcast, which you wouldn't believe how warm and fuzzy that makes me feel. This one says, much love from the big city. Olivia, thank you for the consistent, creative, and uplifting content. I've learned so much from you. You make this old man feel like I'm in touch with the zeitgeist. Keep it up, R. R, I can't stress to you enough how thankful I am for your review, for listening. I didn't know that I had any self-proclaimed old men listening to this podcast, and I am so glad that you are. I didn't think that this content really, you know, like I didn't, I, I was thinking that maybe, um, anyone in the old man category would maybe not be super into um, what the stuff that I say, the, the the topics that I cover, but are, I am so glad that you are here. You are the foremost certified obscure ahead. It even says so in your rating name. So thank you so, so, so much. And if you want your review read next week, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. With that being said, let us get into a cinematic masterpiece, a perfect piece of art, the Lifetime Network original, Daddy's Perfect Little Girl from the year 2021. Last week on the episode that me and Montana released about Deadly Daughter Switch, we were talking about how there's something that like makes, there's Lifetime movies, some of them have this je ne sais quoi about them, like this it factor that makes them so good (laughs) like so entertaining to watch like even if they're not it's tough to say what makes a good lifetime movie all said and done you know because um, like not to generalize but I would say all lifetime movies are some combination of weird sets like bad set design weird dialogue um bad writing and bad acting And I think that those like all really come together to make a Lifetime movie. But you need to have different, different levels to all of those factors. I'm going to try to work on like a Lifetime movie, like alignment chart with like an X X axis and a Y axis. (laughs) Like so we can like categorize Lifetime movies on how they are. Because like all of the ones that I really like, I can't figure out what the common thread is between them. Like, I love Daddy's Perfect Little Girl and I love Stalked by My Doctor. And I don't know what, like, those two are not the same in terms of production value, in terms of acting quality, in terms of writing. Like, they are not the same, but they scratch the same itch in my brain. And I need to know, like, what it is. Like, I am a, I am a doctor of Lifetime movies, okay? I am, I am essentially, what I'm doing here is getting my PhD in Lifetime Movie Network movies. And so really, I'm an academic. I'm an intellectual. I'm a student of Lifetime movies. So I, like what I'm doing here is just every time that you hear me cover a Lifetime movie on this podcast, it's, it's part of that process. It's part of my studies. <laughs> it's a really important and academic you know, um, thing that I'm doing here. And I I can't really stress that enough. Um, But Daddy's Perfect Little Girl, I I watched this movie the first time last year, like early 2023. And I watched it by myself one night when I was home alone. And I, my jaw was on the floor. The, there was the, the dialogue, the storyline, the events that happen in this movie are insane and I think that you're gonna love listening to me talk about it just as much as you would love watching the movie itself I would suggest like I would genuinely recommend this movie 
Everyone that I've made, because after I watched it by myself, I made Ty watch it with me. I made Montana watch it with me. I made so many people watch Daddy's Perfect Little Girl. I've made Shannon watch it. She watched it on her own. Everyone loves this movie. Everyone's like, yeah, this movie is like so bad. I loved it. The general consensus, Daddy's Perfect Little Girl, so bad. It was perfect. I loved it. Five stars. So I do recommend that you go watch this one. I don't think you would be disappointed. Um, and I think that you could either watch it you could pause this podcast and watch it before or if you watch it afterwards you will still enjoy it the same amount because it's not the plot that really like grasps you for this movie it's like the the minutia of it you know it's it's the it's the way the lines are delivered it's the way that the lines are written like the actual plot of this movie is not where the the goodness lies it's in the little things. <laughs> so I really, I really do suggest that you lay your eyes on this cinematic masterpiece. Martin Scorsese is in his, he's not even dead, but he's rolling over in his grave right now because daddy's perfect little girl achieved something that he could never even hope to achieve. Literally the same with Quentin Tarantino. I know that Martin and Quentin are somewhere right now, just like, like they're balling up their fists, their steam coming out of their ears because they know that they could never ever do what Curtis Crawford and Melissa Cassera did with Daddy's Perfect Little Girl. Curtis Crawford directed this movie. Melissa Cassera wrote this movie. Hey, Curtis and Melissa, if for some, if by some stroke of God, one of you or someone who knows you guys is listening to this podcast, I would literally kill a man to have you on this podcast to talk to me about this movie. I want to know everything. I don't think you get it. Like, I love this movie so much and I would cry. I would actually like blow a gasket if I could swing one of you guys on the podcast. Like I will get, I will literally get you on Zoom. This movie starts off so, so strong. And we get this beginning scene of the little, the perfect little girl in question and the daddy in question. And they are riding their bikes around their neighborhood on what seems to be a beautiful summer afternoon. Ready to go, Ella? Yeah, dad. Wow, it's such a nice day. You wanna race to the park? You always let me win. That's not true. Hey! Pistachio is the best ice cream flavor, hands down. No way, Dad. Chocolate. So they are having their weird conversation. Like, what what dad-daughter duo talks like this? I don't know. Um, but I love it. I love the uncanny valley that we're in in terms of human conversation here. So they're riding their bikes. We then see a guy driving and he is texting and driving. <laughs> womp womp. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. No texting and driving. Okay. The dad and the little girl are riding their bikes on the side of the road and this texting and driving guy runs the dad off the road and he kind of like topples him and his bike topple down the side of this like ravine he didn't get hurt okay he's fine he stands up but he did take a little bit of a tumble like down the side of a road um and the guy who was driving the car gets out of the car and he's like oh my god i'm so sorry i didn't see you like that was my bad and the daughter whose name is ella by the way starts throwing hands she starts fighting this guy saying you almost killed my dad she wants to take him out she is pissed and the dad whose name is Nolan by the way calms her down and he explains to the driver that like 
Ella, Ella, why did I say that so weird? That Ella is like traumatized from her past and um, she is just acting out out of like fear and jealousy. Because here we learn that her biological mom died a few years prior. And then Nolan, the dad she's with right now, is actually her adoptive dad. Him and his late wife adopted her two years ago. And then Nolan's wife, so Ella's adopted mother, died from cancer a year later. So for the past, for the first year, Ella was with Nolan and his late wife. She was sick that whole time, so Ella never really got to, like, bond with her. And so now Nolan is all she has, and she's extremely protective of him. And so that is why she freaked out so bad when the driver ran him off the road. Now we cut to them being back at home. They... Nolan, first of all, lives in the fucking nicest house ever, but it is sparsely decorated. And one thing that I will I need to say about Lifetime movies is that the houses like are always so barren. Like there's nothing, there's like no trinkets, like there's nothing on the kitchen counters. Like you would not believe that these people are even able to make coffee in the morning because there is not so much as a coffee canister on the counters. Like truly in my heart of hearts, I believe that they shoot all of these Lifetime movies in like open houses around LA. Like I know that they have someone on their team that either like works in real estate or like partners with real estate agents to shoot in these giant fancy empty ass homes the neighbor who is named mr foster comes over knocks on the door he is very gruff he is very cranky very much a get off my lawn type and he comes over and addresses nolan the dad about ella he says that she cuts across his yard too much through his grass um and that she needs to stop because she's driving him crazy and nolan is kind of like okay like, I'll tell her to stop, you know. He's like, I'll take care of it. And then Ella, of course, was like, Daddy, I didn't do anything wrong. I would we never cut across his yard. At this point, we are like literally three, four minutes into the movie at this point. We get introduced to the housekeeper, who is Larissa. She works for Nolan and she like cleans and occasionally like babysits Ella, from what I can tell. Ella is in the kitchen and she screams. She starts screaming for her dad. Ella goes into the kitchen where nobody else is and she grabs a knife out of the dishwasher and uses the tip of the sharp knife to cut her finger she does it she self-inflicts this wound onto herself and then screams out for her dad when he comes running obviously concerned because his daughter is screaming bloody murder um ella frames the housekeeper for loading the dishwasher wrong she's like i don't know like i just reached into the dishwasher and it sliced my finger. And Larissa is like, I would never load the dishwasher with the blade up, but like maybe it was an honest mistake. This is the first clue that we get though that something is severely wrong with Ella. Like she is, she like wounds herself within the first five minutes of the movie. So red flag, red flag, red flags all around. Um, I Also, I want to say Ella's age is kind of unclear, but I want to say she's 11 or 12 because at one point in the movie, she says, dad, I'm pretty much a teenager. So that to me would imply like that tween area. Like I want to say 12, but the way that she acts and the way that she, her dialogue is written, like it makes her like, I feel like she's acting more like a seven or an eight year old would act. And I don't spend a lot of time around kids. And by not a lot of time, I mean, no time whatsoever. So maybe that's how 12 year olds act. But like, I like she is very much giving like, 
like seven, eight years old, like fourth grade vibes. And it's kind of implying that she's like supposed to be in like sixth or sixth grade. So I don't really know. Fifth, sixth grade. I have no idea. That is something that Lifetime does a lot where they like write kids to be like really different from the age that they're supposed to be playing. It's like very strange. But I digress. After the knife incident in the kitchen, Ella complains that her dad is working too much and that she's sad that he never stays home with her anymore. And he is a busy, he's a girl boss, okay? He is a busy hustler, grinder. He's like, sweetie, I'm so sorry I've been working so much, but the two of us are just going to go on a vacation, a getaway as a long weekend. And this is kind of supposed to be a consolation for him working so much. He tells Ella to come up with something that she wants to do. So this 12-year-old is in charge of the vacation, I guess. Um, And he will make sure that it happens. Ella wants to go to what is called Adventure Camp. An adventure camp, as we'll come to find out, is basically a summer camp for families. Like not in the sense of like, Like, it's not quite like a dirty dancing type summer camp for families. It's more of like, it's adventure oriented, okay? So like adventure camp, the name really does kind of give you the context clues to figure out what's going on. There's like zip lining and mountain biking and like outdoor, like adventurous activities that you do when you go to this adventure camp. Whatever. We'll find out more later. Her dad, Nolan, agrees to book the trip to Adventureland for the next weekend, I think. Um, but Nolan is a he's an advertising executive. He actually owns his own advertising agency um, where he makes commercials. His job responsibilities are definitely unclear because he seems as though he does it all. He's the owner. He's apparent. He seems to be like the producer of these commercials. He's also like the casting director, so on and so forth. He's on set when they're shooting commercials. So he kind of just like does it all. Good for him. Wears many hats, you know what I mean? No wonder he works so much. Now, at this point, we are introduced um, to Ella's best friend, her like BFF, and it is this girl her age named Kinsley. Kinsley is hands down my favorite character in this movie because she delivers her lines with such intensity and passion. Like, I'll have to clip some of her her audio for you because the way she like says her lines is simply so iconic. I need her to win several awards. Ella calls Kinsley to brag about the fact that she and her dad get to go to adventure camp together. And this is what Kinsley says in response. What's up? Guess where I'm going this summer. I don't know, where? Adventure camp, my dad's taking me. You're so lucky. Ever since my parents got divorced, my dad never takes me anywhere. But your dad works all the time, so you don't really have it much better than I do. Nolan, back at his office, at the advertising agency office, he finds out that his business partner has casted an actress to be in a commercial who is also in Ella's all-time favorite TV show. Hi, Dad. Hey, sweetie. You are not going to believe this. Guess who we just cast in the commercial we're shooting at the agency next week? Who? That actress that you love on the show. Something that never fails to make me laugh in a Lifetime movie is when they are so vague with their dialogue. Like, he says, guess who we just cast in a commercial? That actress you love on that show. Like, okay, like, why can't we just make up a name of the show to input here? You know what I mean? Like, 
in Deadly Daughter Switch when the mom calls like the family meeting about the daughter's like DNA test. She's like, family meeting, let's meet at the restaurant. And it's like, just make up a name of a restaurant. Insert a name of a real restaurant. No one's going to care. The restaurant? Like, it's just so, to me, it's like lazy. But also at this point, it's like canon to the way that Lifetime movies are. So it's kind of like, it is kind of like a funny little, all of these things that are like make Lifetime movies objectively bad make them so 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 good to me personally like little details like that are so silly and I'm obsessed with the fact that like they're so vague about like the name of the actress and the name of the show and the name of the restaurant and so on and so forth so Ella of course calls Kinsley again to brag about getting to meet Juliette Lee the actress who's going to be in the commercial it's also revealed at this point that Ella has a photo of Juliet on her phone that she talks to like a friend. Okay, parasocial relationship check, okay? She invented parasocial relationships. Ella invented a parasocial relationship. So this is another thing that we, this is another clue that we get to imply that Ella is a bit reality challenged, you know, to steal that phrase from the Barbie movie. Ella asks if she can come meet Juliet on the commercial set. And her dad is like, yeah, of course. And then brings her to the set on the day that the commercial is shooting. And he just like kind of lets her like run around set and like roam around on her own and go like approach the actress on her own, which like, I don't know, in my opinion, like seems unprofessional. I don't know. I've never been on a set before, so I wouldn't know, I guess. But I, you know, like from what I've seen in movies and TV shows, they're busy places and they have a very strict timeline and stuff like needs to get done because if you don't finish the commercial or whatever you're shooting in the amount of time you have, like you have to pay all of those like cast and crew people extra to shoot longer and so like it's kind of a big thing and so I'm just kind of like I don't know like why are we just like letting random 12 year olds run around set but I don't know like he owns the agency so like maybe he can do whatever he wants like maybe she's just a nepo baby who is allowed to run around set like nobody's business. Ella asks Juliet for a selfie and Juliet is for all intents and purposes rude and annoying. She says no like very rudely on the other hand like I do get like she's just at her job like trying to do her job and this random 12 year old is like coming up to her and like sticking a phone in her face asking for a picture like I do get that's that's like weird like you probably if you are a famous actor you probably expect that when you're like walking down the street or at a restaurant but I would assume when you're like on set at work you're like okay I'm not gonna get bothered by like random annoying fans so I do understand why Juliet was short in this moment okay Juliet is like no not right now we'll do it later at the same time Nolan is flirting with what seems to be a prop stylist of sorts her name is Cecily and Cecily also brought her teenage son Xander to set I would say he's like 15 16 years old a few years older than Ella and it is evident that Nolan and Cecily have some kind of previous like flirty history because Nolan asks her to dinner he's like we never got dinner last time we talked about it can I take you out soon and Cecily says yes now remember when Ella asked Juliet for a selfie Juliet said no but immediately after saying no Juliet lays eyes on Xander Cecily's son and says 
Ooh, that guy is so cute. I love his style. Oh, that guy is so cute. Love his style. She walks up to him. She weirdly asks if he wants to take a selfie, which is strange. Like, that is just like, it's, that's so funny. Like, imagine a celebrity walking up to you and asking if you want to take a picture with them unprompted. That's so funny. It would actually make me want to say no. So Ella now has major beef with Xander since Juliet was nice to him. And also because Xander and her dad are really hitting it off talking about basketball. Xander is a big basketball guy. And it kind of leads me to believe that Nolan was also a basketball guy in his youth. To get her dad's attention because he is so engrossed in conversation with Xander, Ella knocks over some expensive looking studio light and it shatters on the ground and she screams for him to come help her and she plays the victim once again, just like the knife incident earlier in the movie. This is her M.O. at this point. Of course, no one's really that mad about the studio light. I don't know, like nobody even comes like looking to see what happens other than Nolan and Cecily. So apparently it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, they both think it's an accident. Nobody suspects Ella of anything the shoot is over. They go home for the night. When Ella gets home, she calls Kinsley again. And Kinsley and Ella absolutely fucking hate each other, okay? Hey, Dad, can we go shopping for Adventure Camp tonight? Yeah, of course we can. You can come too, Kinsley, if you want. She can't. She's busy. I'm not busy. You're also not coming. Ella has a meltdown at this point in the movie. And in a moment of rage, she goes over to the neighbor, the cranky neighbor, Mr. Foster, who came over earlier in the movie to talk to the dad about her cutting through his lawn. She goes over, she is she is really pressing her luck because I wouldn't want to fuck with Mr. Foster. He seems like he means business. But she tears up his his lawn in a moment of blind rage. And she goes home after this, talks to the her picture of Juliet that she has on her phone, like she's a friend of hers, and comments future BFF on her Facebook wall, right? Because she has made up this entire story in her head that her and Juliet are like besties. Now, the next day, Ella wakes up. She and her dad are home in the kitchen the next morning before he leaves for work. And he says that he is going to work late that night. He has a deadline that he has to meet. But Larissa will be home to like make sure she gets dinner and take care of her and everything. Ella actually convinces Nolan to let her stay home alone without a babysitter while he works late. So you know that this is going to, she is about to do some fuck shit. Actually, I don't think that he is working late. I'm pretty sure that he is going on his date that he scheduled with Cecily. Either way, that's kind of, I think that happens this night. Either way, that's kind of like the next like story. That's the next part of the plot that we're getting to, Okay. So that night when Ella is home alone by herself, she is revealing to Juliet. She's talking to Juliet <laughs> again like she's a real person. And she reveals to her that her biological mom used to leave her home alone all the time when she went out with her boyfriend. And one time while her mom had left her home alone, Ella had found the gun that her boyfriend had left inside their house. And she alludes to the fact that he ended up using the gun at some point, but she kind of leaves us on a cliffhanger there. We find out what happens when Nolan and Cecily are on their dinner date. So we kind of pivot to that scene now. Nolan is telling Cecily about Ella's history, and we find out that her real mom was killed by the abusive boyfriend he 
used the gun to trick shoot her to shoot her if you've listened to any of my podcast episodes about the Lifetime movies, I, like there's just like an implicit trigger warning. Okay, like I cannot trigger warn everything that happens in Lifetime movies because they just like throw them all in there. They throw everything that could possibly be triggering to people in one movie. So after her biological mom's death, Ella is adopted by Nolan and his wife, Carol. And then a year after they adopted her, Carol died from cancer, sadly. He's also telling Cecily about his plans to take Ella to adventure camp and hopefully that will kind of you know make her feel valued <laughs> I don't know Cecily is actually well acquainted with adventure camp she says that her and Xander went last summer and they had a blast so good for them back at home Ella is watching the show that she loves so much starring the actress Juliette Lee and what the show is is basically just like some deranged like procedural about these teenage girls who plot revenge against people they don't like like every episode is them plotting a new revenge against a different victim and um they mention hang like in this episode that she's kind of watching as she's home alone they mention hanging somebody with a noose which is like so inappropriate this girl's 12 years old like she really needs some surveillance on the media she's consuming <laughs> But it's dark out. Ella's home alone. Mr. Foster knocks on the door and is like screaming through the window because she doesn't answer. She's like upstairs scared. She's like he he is like screaming. He's like, I know what you did. Like, I know you destroyed my garden. My security camera shows you coming and going. I can I know it was you. And Ella goes up to the window by the door where he's standing and through the window she <laughs> she makes a hanging like noose motion at him through the window like as a threat to him and so he gets kind of concerned and he walks away rightfully so when someone threatens you with a hanging you kind of gotta take a few steps back you know what I mean Nolan comes home and after his one date with Cecily he already tells Ella about her he's like I met this one like we really like each other I met this girl which is like, I guess whatever, like good for him for being open with her, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a single parent. You know what I mean? I'm not any kind of parent, but I just, so I don't really know the like, you know, the standards on when you're telling kids about your potential dating partners. I do feel like it's a bit uncalled for to tell your 12 year old daughter about the lady you went on one date with, but whatever. Apparently like he's already whipped. Okay. He is whipped. The neighbor comes back the next day to confront Nolan about the garden incident that happened the day before. Alternatively, we could call that Garden Gate. Garden incident, Garden Gate, let me know. I think the second one has a better ring to it. Um, but the dad kind of, you know, pushes back a little bit. He doesn't want to believe that his precious, perfect little girl would do anything wrong. So he's kind of like, well, Mr. Foster, your cameras like don't even point at the garden. You don't know that it was her. She would never do something like this. And Mr. Foster leaves, but he is extremely disgruntled. And he knows, he knows what she did. So the day after Nolan and Cecily went on their first dinner date, Nolan and Ella are going to meet up with Cecily and Xander to play basketball in the afternoon, like at a park. Which is, like, literally why are we blending families after one date? 
the entire basketball scene is so uncomfortable. It is so awkward. Because, like, we're supposed to believe that these people have only met each other like once before you know what I mean like imagine like second dates are so like weird anyway imagine like bringing your two separate children with as well and having them interact weird weird alert um but Ella accuses Xander of hitting her while playing basketball and she screams she cries out she she does her classic move of like lying about an injury (laughs) and then screaming for her dad um privately though Xander okay well Cecily is like Xander please apologize please don't play so rough Xander like apologizes kind of half-assed to her but then later privately as they're leaving Xander tells Ella that he knows she's lying so now we have beef between the two of them the following day Ella convinces her dad to let her come to work with him instead of going to her day camp that she's supposed to go to he folds he says okay fine you can come to work with me um you just have to like you know behave yourself seeing as though you're going to be in an office with working professionals so nolan has this business partner that i think like co-owns the advertising agency with him her name is gabriella and nolan finds out on this fateful day that he has brought his daughter to work with him that Gabriella needs to leave this weekend to fly to New York with her mom to help her like sign papers on a house. Like the mom is buying a house in New York State and Gabriella needs to go with her for some reason. The thing is, and I know that you saw this coming, she has to leave for New York on the same day that Nolan and Ella are supposed to leave to go to adventure camp. This does not go over well. Ella is pissed. She is so upset. Nolan promises that he is going to plan another trip. He suggests a ski trip to like a a ski lodge in the winter. Um, And Ella is like not on board with that. Okay, she wanted to go to adventure camp. So the dad leaves. He has to go to a meeting. Ella is left sitting at his desk. And again, in a moment of rage, she snaps a pencil in half. Uh Uh-oh, pencil broken. She looks to the image of Juliet on her phone for guidance in this moment of strife. She is talking to Juliet about the fact that she can no longer go to adventure camp. She is just really commiserating with this photo of Juliet. Um, And she eventually needs to go find another pencil, though. You know what I mean? Like she was drawing at his desk and then her pencil broke. Ella traverses across the office to go to Gabriella's cubicle. And she is searching around in Gabriella's office looking for stuff. She, you know, is definitely looking for more than a pencil. Like she absolutely has nefarious intentions here. But when Gabriella walks into her office to see Ella scruffling through everything, she's like, what are you doing in here? And Ella's like, I broke my pencil. I need a new pencil. While Gabriella is in the office with Gabriella, she How do I say this? That makes sense. Gabriella is standing in the office with Ella and Gabriella receives a phone call from her mother. And I'm going to play that phone call for you right now. Hi, mom. No, I won't forget to pick up your yogurt on my way home. I know you're almost done. Yes, blueberry flavor. Mom, um, I have a meeting to get to. Talk to you later, okay? Upon finding out that 
Gabriella and Gabriella's mother live together at the same residence at the present moment, Ella starts plotting something evil. And after Gabriella has left the office, Ella goes digging through her purse that she left at her desk and finds her driver's license and takes the address from the driver's license. So now Ella knows where Gabriella and her elderly mother live. Let's pivot for a second back to the adventure camp situation. So the sad news is that adventure camp is booked out the following weekend. So that's why they couldn't just rebook the trip for the next weekend after Gabriella is back from New York. Um, and they, but luckily Cecily has a friend that works at adventure camp and therefore has access to exclusive like friends and family tickets that aren't available to the general public. So she calls Nolan and tells him this and Nolan is like okay awesome like I'm not gonna tell Ella about it I don't want to get her hopes up but if you can like get these friends and family tickets for the next weekend that would be awesome so Cecily is going to do her darndest to get the adventure camp tickets for the weekend after the current weekend we are now seeing Ella riding her bike over to Gabriella's house to kind of like scope out the vibes right she's peering through the window she is being way too obvious I do not know how these people in Lifetime movies get away with being like peeping toms and no one ever sees them if someone was looking through my window I would know I know everything I know if someone's watching me I can feel it Ella is peering in through the window watching Gabriella's mom get herself a bowl of the aforementioned yogurt, the blueberry yogurt. She scoops it out of the container into a bowl and savors each spoonful of this delicious, delicious yogurt. Ella, seeing this happen, remembers that on the deranged show that she watches, the girls in the show put Tide Pods into someone's food to poison them in one of the episodes, not to kill them. They make sure to make a point to say that, just enough to make them sick. And so Ella is like, oh, light bulb moment. I'm just going to poison Gabriella's mom so that she can't go to New York. And so I can go to an adventure camp. Complicated. That is convoluted. There's a lot of issues I have with that. We'll get into that later. Ella researches how many Tide Pods it takes to make somebody sick and hatches her plan to poison Gabriella's mom so Gabriella won't have to leave town for the weekend. Now, this begs the question, what is her logic here exactly, right? In the situation that Gabriella's mom is poisoned by Tide Pods, she'd still have to stay home and take care of her poisoned mother, and Nolan would still have to end up having to work, right? Because Gabriella is at home taking care of her poisoned mother. I don't really know like what, I just don't know like, I mean, Ella is clearly, it clearly ha has a loose grasp on reality, it has, you know, not a lot of logic. So, you know, I don't think she was thinking about this, but as the viewer, I'm so concerned. I'm thinking, well, that's not going to fix your problem. Now you're just going to have two problems because now they're going to have to reschedule the New York trip for another day. And maybe that's the next weekend that your dad's already finding tickets for. She doesn't know that though. I don't know, it's just a mess. Also, like if her dad already canceled the adventure camp trip for the current weekend, and then they do end up being able to go, like what if he already forfeited his spot? Like what if they refund, like I don't know, like what if they gave up his accommodations to somebody else? Like it's just a disaster, okay? Ella, you are not thinking here. Use your brain, girlfriend. Cecily does end up pulling some strings with her friend to get Nolan and Ellen 
<laughs> Nolan and Ellen. That's not it. To get Nolan and Ella tickets to Adventure Camp the following weekend that was previously booked out. So that's awesome. Nolan is like, great, I will tell Ella the big news when she gets home later. Ella, at the present moment, is at the store shoplifting Tide Pods. <laughs> and who's there? Mr. Foster. Mr. Foster is also at the store that she's at and he sees her open up a container of Tide Pods and pull a few out and like stick them in her pocket. And he follows her outside and he's like, I saw what you did. I'm going to go in there and tell the cashier and I'm also going to tell your dad or else I'm calling the police. And so Ella is freaked out because Obviously, Mr. Foster saw her steal something from the store. So she's terrified. She doesn't want the police to get called. And she also doesn't want her dad to know because to him, she's the perfect little girl. Okay, this would completely ruin her brand. So later, when Ella is returning home with the stolen Tide Pods, she sees Mr. Foster on a ladder cleaning his gutters on his house. Ella goes over, sneaks around the side of the house to where the ladder is, and knocks the ladder over, knocks Mr. Foster to the ground. He's dead. He falls on the ground. He's, he dies. No one's around to see it. Mr. Foster apparently lives alone. And evidently, the security cameras that he has to spy on Ella don't work, or they're not viewing the area that, that the ladder incident happened, right? Or else... There'd be very obvious footage of Ella murdering him. But she walks away, no consequences, and leaves Mr. Foster to bleed out on the ground. Classic. Ella then continues on her string of crime and goes back over to Gabriella's house. She squeezes through. She's able to like open the sliding patio door a little bit. I don't know. Everyone who... The break and enters in Lifetime movies are like so obvious. Like I've never seen a I've never seen houses that are so easy to break into. Like if people in the Lifetime movie universe had actually working security cameras and locks on their doors, like none of nothing would like nothing would happen. Like the movies wouldn't exist because the way that all of these crimes are able to happen is because people apparently don't lock their doors and are just like inviting people to break and enter. And there is no security cameras. Anyway, there's no security cameras in restaurants and businesses and homes. Like, nothing. Like, a ring doorbell would would actually stop pretty much anything from happening in any Lifetime movie. Because <laughs> there would be footage of everyone breaking into everyone's houses. So Ellis tries to squeeze in through this little crack in the door. And she ends up ripping her t-shirt um, while she's breaking in. And she squeezes the Tide Pods in her pocket into Granny's yogurt, into Gabriella's. I guess she's not grandma. She might be someone's grandma, but she's Gabriella's mom. Ella uses their kitchen scissors and their spoon to stir the Tide Pods into the yogurt. <laughs> like, like she is not covering her tracks very well at all. She leaves a giant mess on the counter she has dirtied now two utensils, a, scissor, a pair of scissors and a spoon. It just like leaves them in there, which is like, hello, you need to cover your tracks, queen. She leaves a huge mess on the counter. She barely leaves without getting caught because she hears the mom walking down the stairs. 
And so, like, all I can say is that, like, she really needs to tighten up her operation a bit here if she's going to continue on this life of crime because it's a little messy. So Ella gets out of the house. She um, watches through the window as Gabriella's mom eats the yogurt like clockwork. (laughs) Like, it's crazy. Like, how convenient is it that Ella literally just stirred those Tide Pod, the detergent, like, into the yogurt? And then nary 30 seconds later, this woman gets the yogurt out of the fridge and and scoops herself a nice big old bowl of yogurt. Uh, it's just, I don't, you gotta love it. That's, that's showbiz, baby. Um, so Ella's watching this lady eat the yogurt and she kind of like sinisterly is talking to herself and she's like rubbing her hands together like a little praying mantis and she's like, <laughs> looks like I am going to adventure camp after all. Because keep in mind, she still doesn't know yet that Cecily was able to get them tickets for the next weekend. That's a surprise that Nolan is revealing later this night at dinner. Ella gets home from Gabriella's house after her, you know, poisoning streak and after killing Mr. Foster on the ladder. Um, and when she's home, Kinsley comes over, rings the doorbell and confronts Ella asks her about why she never wants to hang out anymore. They get in an altercation. Ella starts yelling at Kinsley, tells her that they're not friends anymore and tells her to leave and never come back. Larissa, I think, is like in the garden. And so she overhears this outburst and is like definitely concerned. She's like, "Mm, what's going on? Because she this whole time has been like, you could tell that she's like suspicious of Ella, but like doesn't want to say anything because she doesn't have evidence and doesn't want to like ruin her relationship with Nolan, who is employing her as a housekeeper. Like, I get it, Larissa. Like, you're in a really tough spot. You're in between a rock and a hard place, as they say. So Larissa goes inside and talks to Ella, and she asks why Ella ripped her shirt, or, like, how her shirt got ripped. And Ella is like, oh, it happened when I was at day camp. Okay, seems fine. Larissa kind of leaves it alone. When Nolan comes home later in the evening, Larissa kind of pulls him aside And she's like, you know, I want to talk to you about some things like, you know, that there was an accident with your neighbor, Mr. Foster, and he died. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I think I maybe left that out. But like there was when Ella came back from um, poisoning Gabriella's mom with Tide Pods, there was like all sorts of like police and fire trucks and ambulances um, responding to Mr. Foster's accident of falling off the ladder. Um, So Larissa is like, you know, we had kind of a scary day. Like Mr. Foster was found dead in his yard. Um, And she also kind of confronts Nolan and like about Ella's bad behavior. She like, or not even bad behavior, just like weird and suspicious behavior. She brings up the knife incident from the very beginning of the movie. She tells him that she was like yelling at Kinsley, telling her that they weren't friends anymore. And that was kind of out out of character. And then she also mentions that Ella ripped her shirt and had told her that it happened at day camp. But Larissa said that that would be impossible because when she picked up Ella from day camp, her shirt wasn't ripped. So she knows that it happened after day camp and now that Ella has been lying about it. Nolan just kind of like thanks her for like being honest and says that he is going to like, you know, check in on Ella and see what's going on with her. At the same time, Gabriella calls Nolan to tell him that her mom is sick. Nolan asks like what happened, obviously, and Gabriella says that the doctors think that her mom ingested some kind of poison based on her symptoms. Okay, so they're starting to put the pieces together here. And all in all, um, Nolan sees if he can switch the adventure camp trip back to the current weekend because apparently Gabriella can't go to New York anymore 
and she's able to work. I don't know. I don't get any of this. Like if your mom really was experiencing symptoms of being poisoned, wouldn't you stay home with her over the weekend instead of going to work? Also, do these advertising agency owners work seven days a week? Like, do they work Monday through Friday and then all weekend? Or like, why? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe they're just like hustlers and grinders like that. Who's to say? Maybe sleep is for the rich. Well, they are rich. So that doesn't make sense. So Nolan then talks to Cecily about changing the trip back to the original weekend, which is like, oh my God, what a disaster. Like, just commit to something, okay? Cecily talks to her friend, and the friend who works at Adventure Camp is able to snag them four tickets. Because Nolan and Ella are only two people, Nolan takes it upon himself to invite Cecily and Xander to come on the trip with them. So weird, <laughs> like literally so weird. Why in God's name did we go from a first date to vacationing together as a family within the span of what seems like less than a week? Like that's crazy. It just seems like irresponsible and bad, but everything, everything about this is off. So I guess that's really not, you know, the biggest priority. So the four of these, the big happy family of Nolan, Cecily, Ella, and her like stepbrother, not quite stepbrother that she hates, Xander, um, they all go embark on this journey to adventure camp. They arrive at the cabin that they're staying in that night. And the first night that they're all staying together, Ella sneaks into Xander's room while he's sleeping and picks up a pillow with clear intent to smother him. She is trying to choke him out. She was fully intending on killing him. It's insane. He like stirs in his sleep though while she's like preparing to smother him and that scares her away so she kind of like hides um like behind like like under the bed or something um he wakes up to pee like he goes to the bathroom and Ella runs out into the hallway after he leaves the room but when he comes out of the bathroom he runs into her and asks what she's doing up so late and she's like oh no worries like I was just grabbing another pillow because she still has the pillow in her hand weird Xander is suspicious, right? Xander has been suspicious since day one when she lied about him hitting her at the basketball court. The next day is their first day at adventure camp. Now, it seems really lame, but I recognize that I'm not the target audience, okay? Like, I, like they are, are like, it just doesn't seem like my scene, but like, I think maybe if you are into like, maybe zip lining and mountain biking, like maybe this would be your scene, but like, you couldn't pay me to go to adventure camp. You know what I'm saying? That's not my idea of a vacation. The four of them all go to their mountain biking orientation in the morning. And like the staff member is like telling them about the different levels of like courses they can take, like trails they can take. No training, no lessons, just like, just kind of like warning people. And then they're allowed to sign up for like whichever mountain biking trail they see fit. And Xander signs up for the level three or like the zone three list, which is kind of in the middle. Like it's not the easiest, but it's not the hardest track. Um, and then everyone goes to get breakfast. So Xander, Nolan and Cecily all go to get breakfast. Ella is like, I already had some cereal back at the cabin before we left. Can I go like do something else? And so they're like, fine. They all go eat breakfast by themselves. And Ella sneaks back to the mountain biking sign up sheet crosses out Xander's name from being on the zone three list and signs him up for the zone five list, which is the hardest, like most advanced 
mountain biking zone and he is the only name on the list. So it's like clearly not like a popular choice. You know what I mean? Ella then sneaks into the mountain bike storage area that's like employees only. And all of the mountain bikes are laid out, labeled, like they have little badges hanging around them with the names of the campers who are going to be riding them later that day. And so she sees the bike that is labeled with Xander's name on it. And she finds like this plier in the mountain bike shed area and she cuts the brakes on Xander's mountain bike. What an evil, evil, nasty little girl. And the cut, like the cut that uh, on the wire, like of the brake cord or whatever. I don't know how the fuck bikes work, you guys. I don't know. But like she cuts the wire. That's the brakes. And it is so visibly obvious that like I refuse to believe that there's no way a staff member wouldn't have noticed it before like passing this bike off to somebody. You know what I mean? Like it just seems like they would notice it really, really quickly. So later in the day after this like debacle goes down, um, like the whole bike situation, the whole family goes back to do the actual mountain bike riding. And so the staff member is like reading off all the lists and they're like, oh, we only got one person on the sign up for zone five. Xander, like, are you up for the challenge? And Xander, even though he didn't put his name on zone five, like Ella changed it to that. He's like broing it up and he's like duding it up and, and like trying to be all macho. And he's like, hell yeah, dude, like I got it. I wouldn't signed up for it if I didn't think I could do it. Um, and so he is like all in on this mountain biking course that is already like way above his skill level. And now it, his bike doesn't have brakes on it either. Okay. So Xander obviously crashes his bike on the zone five trail and gets severely injured. He makes it like shockingly far into the track. Like it, I couldn't believe that he hadn't had to use his brakes before he crashed. Like, I can't believe he made it as far as he did, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but he gets, like, pulled off of the track. An ambulance shows up. Like, obviously, Cecily is, like, so worried about him, and so is Nolan. But Ella is, like, thrilled that she's almost killed another person. Her body count has almost reached, you know, two, I guess, at this point, because she's already killed Mr. Foster. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. She hasn't killed anyone else yet, I don't think. Um, and so because the ambulance is having to take Xander to a hospital in the city, um, Cecily has to leave the trip as well. And Nolan is like, oh my gosh, like, we'll come with you. We'll make sure that he's safe. And Cecily is like, no, like, please don't. Like, I know that this trip is really important to Ella. And so please stay for the rest of the weekend and we'll see you when you get back into town. And so Ella is delighted once again, by her masterminding of the situation um, and is seen kind of evilly smirking as Xander is wheeled away on the gurney. And Cecily sees Ella's evil little smirk and that doesn't sit right with her. She goes, that little girl is creepy. She is so creepy and spooky. She is smiling at my severely injured son. And so that's not sitting right with Miss Cecily, obviously. Cecily gets back into town while Nolan and Ella are still away. And she actually goes over to Nolan's house to talk to the housekeeper, Larissa. She just kind of wants to have a conversation to see if like she has noticed Ella's weird behavior as well. So Larissa obviously does kind of feel the same way. And she's like, you know, you should really go talk to Kinsley to get the inside scoop because 
That is Ella's best friend. So Cecily drives on over to Kinsley's house and sees Kinsley outside of her house riding a razor scooter in circles. <laughs> like, like, this is what I mean. Like, this is what I mean when they, these kids are acting like way younger than they're supposed to be. Because like, this is very much giving like six year old, like this whole scene. I, I really highly recommend you go watch this, but I'm going to clip the audio for you. OK, so this is a conversation that Kinsley and Cecily had. One of the most iconic, incredible interactions of the entire movie. Kinsley is a fucking queen. We stand. Oh, so you're the new girlfriend. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Are your parents home? <laughs> you mean my mom and her husband? No, they're not. Uh, I was hoping. I wanted to ask you about Ella. What about her? Has she said or done anything strange lately? Look, all I know is that Ella's super obsessed with this one show. The one starring Juliet Lee? Uh-huh. And she thinks her and Juliet are friends in, like, real life, which is pathetic. But on the show, Juliet does all these crazy things to get revenge, and if Ella doesn't like someone, she'll want to get revenge, too. So what do you mean by revenge? Well, she had this neighbor. So to summarize, Kinsley kind of reveals Ella's obsession with revenge because of this show that she watches so religiously. And like, obviously, Kinsley's delivery during the scene is immaculate. Um, she also hints to Cecily that she thinks Ella was the one who killed Mr. Foster. So Cecily is rightfully so concerned at this point because she's believing Kinsley for some reason you know what I mean like it I do get that this would be concerning but at the same time if a 12 year old says that like would you really believe them I'd be like okay like yeah your friend killed the neighbor okay go off I guess later in that evening or maybe the next day I don't know Ella and Nolan return back home from adventure camp and petty queen Kinsley gives Ella a ring a ring-a-ding just to let her know that she told Cecily everything. I just got back from adventure camp. It was so much fun. That's cool, I guess. But fun's over now. No, it's not. You're just jealous I got to go. Okay. I guess your dad hasn't talked to his little girlfriend yet, huh? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh my gosh. You have no idea, do you? I told her everything about your little obsession with Juliet and how much you hate Xander. Oh, and what you did to your neighbor? What? And Ella is quaking in her boots, okay? Now that Nolan is back in town, Cecily calls him and asks if they can meet for a drink at his house later. She says that she really needs to talk to him about something and that she needs to see him tonight. So she comes over later that evening to Nolan's house. The two of them sit outside on the patio and like are having a drink. And she confides in him that she talked to Kinsley and has reason to believe that Ella killed Mr. Foster. Now, Ella is overhearing this entire conversation from the kitchen, and she does not want the cat getting out of the bag like this. She has to preserve her image. And so she grabs a knife out of the drawer and makes a run for Cecily. She runs through the patio door. She is absolutely trying to stab the fuck out of Cecily. Nolan jumps in the way to kind of protect Cecily and Ella's knife ends up cutting him on like the back or the arm or his side somehow like he's okay he's standing up but she did like slice him with the knife accidentally. Um, Cecily gets away and she um, gets far enough away to call 911. 
So Ella is freaking out. She is so worried that she's going to get arrested. Um, and she is becoming more and more unraveled. And she pulls her phone out of her pocket, pulls up the picture of Juliet, and starts talking to Juliet, asking her to save her from this situation. Juliet, you have to tell me what to do. My dad is hurt. Ella. You have to help me explain everything to him. Ella, look at my eyes, honey. Look at my eyes. She is like, Juliet, what do I do? Please grant me the strength to get out of this situation. Please give me the, the strength to change the things I can. And the, and what is that quote? And the, accept the, give me the strength to change the things that I can and the grace to accept the things I cannot? Is that it? I don't really know. I don't really care. That's kind of not the point. Am I still your perfect little girl, Daddy? Now, in true Lifetime movie fashion, after this kind of climax at the end of the movie, there is a flash-forward scene where everything is okay. I think I've talked about Lifetime Bingo before. Me and Ty developed, like, this Lifetime Bingo board last year so you can like play along as you we were inspired by Jarvis Johnson's Darman bingo um I don't think he does it anymore but the he's like a YouTuber and a streamer Jarvis Johnson we love him we think he's hilarious um but he used to do these streams where they would watch the Darman videos and do bingo and we were like oh like Lifetime movies are also so tropey. We can definitely do this with Lifetime movies too so we did and like one of the squares that is on the bingo board is um flash forward where everything is okay because after every like climax scene in lifetime the very 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 last scene of the movie is always like x amount of months in the future or x amount of years in the future and everyone is just like doing just fine and dandy okay so this movie and daddy's perfect little girl the flash forward is nolan going to visit ella in the hospital where she's institutionalized on account of murdering, poisoning, and attempting to murder people. She is definitely still acting creepy as shit in the hospital, though. She shows Nolan, like, this painting that she made of, like, I think it's, like, a painting of, like, her family or, like, her house that she can't wait to live in, like, when she gets out of the hospital. And the movie ends. <laughs> the movie ends. It's perfect. Like, I have nothing to say other than that this movie is perfect. I think it's like a clean one hour and like 27 minutes. It's in that perfect 90 minute range for a movie. I have nothing to say. If I had a letterbox to count, I would rate this movie five out of five stars. I would write perfect. No notes. Because that's really truly how I feel. I have nothing but the utmost respect for director Curtis Crawford and the writer of this movie, Melissa Cassera please. I just need them to know how much I love this movie. So if this podcast gets to anyone's ear holes that has a direct line to either of those people, would you please, please, please tell them how much they have changed my life with the creation of Daddy's Perfect Little Girl, okay? I, I, I doubt that they thought that their TV movie was going to have such a profound effect on anybody, but no, like, this is the movie that, like, made me obsessed with Lifetime movies. I was like, this is as good as it fucking gets. If you made it to this point in the episode, 
Thank you so, so much for listening. I really appreciate having you here. I hope you had a good time. I release episodes usually every single Monday. Um, The past week has been a little weird. I released three episodes on like Wednesday, Friday, and Monday, I think. But after this episode, we are back on our weekly Monday schedule. Um, Please, if you enjoyed the show, give it a five-star review. Definitely subscribe and follow the podcast if you haven't. We have gotten a few more um, followers in the past week. So like, thank you. I'm so glad that we have brand new Obscura heads in the house. It makes me feel so warm and fuzzy that you choose to spend an hour plus listening to me every week. Okay. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at ObscuraPod, or you can follow me on Instagram, Olivia Stober Studios. That's also my handle on TikTok where I post more of my art stuff and also just like random bullshit, shooting the shit, if you will. Um, But until then, I will see you guys next Monday and I hope you have a lovely rest of your week. Okay, bye.